Today we will continue our teaching in the in our study of the book of Daniel. We are in part five of the book of Daniel. Part five of our study of the book of Daniel. Last week we we um, looked at chapter three, which largely is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego, and we explained a whole lot of things. And we, I mean, there was a lot of interactions that went on last week, and um, we concluded with a commitment um, of the live group. Um, either you are joining a live group, or you are resuming your live group, or you are starting a live group or you are encouraging your life group members. How, how, how did the commitments go? How many people did their commitments? Let me see your hands. Okay. Um, okay, most people did. Fantastic. Now, um, if, if you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you to download the message for free. It's on the um, podcast. And um, or you can pick up the CD at the back if you prefer that format. So today we are uh, jumping from chapter 3 to chapter 6 um, because of the thoughts that um, the, the, uh, the flow of the thought. We will encourage you to read 4 and 5. We may co- refer back to 4 and 5 at some point um, in this series. You know, but today we are jumping to chapter 6. We may come back to 4 and 5 or we con- may continue from chapter 6. And we are looking at the story of Daniel. 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 There's a story I read recently of a man. He's a man now. He was telling his own story named Philip. And Philip was a believer when he was in university. He was a believer. He believed in Jesus Christ. But he was a freshman and, you know, even though he, he wasn't particularly, um, um, how do you call it? He wasn't particularly in your face kind of believer. His faith in, in Jesus was settled and solid. Now, um, Philip had a friend, um, Janet. Janet is a, a lady, they're just friends, nothing between them. But Janet doesn't. Um, or hasn't accepted Jesus. And, and Janet is part of the generation that really doesn't believe the Bible is true and doesn't believe that, you know, they need to be saved. from Saved from what? Life is good, you know, and, and all that. So, but Philip, I mean, like Janet as a friend, and, and they usually hang out and, and talk. And just chat, nothing more. Then one day they were in class chatting, and every class has this kind of. I mean, when I when I read the story, I just laugh because I remember the kind of that kind of person in my class. Everybody has someone like that. And th- this guy stood up in front of the class. Of course, he was cynical, and 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 he announced to the whole class that Philip 
believes in Jesus. And Philip believes that Janet will go to hell because Philip, Janet doesn't believe in Jesus. Philip, is that true? And Philip said, his heart pounded so fast and that honestly, that was the only thing he remembered <coughs> about that whole conversation. He says he can't tell. Maybe he fainted. <laughs> or maybe, maybe he said something stupid or that he really cannot remember how he went from there. He just remembered his heart pound, pounding so heavily because he stood before a generation of people, and this is a recent story anyway, of, of people that, that feel that they are in a post-Christian era that feel very offended at the idea that there can be a hell. I mean, what are you telling me? You know, they feel very offended that there's some God that will try and regulate how they Why would anybody want to regulate how I live? Thinking that it's God's main objective to regulate how people live. You know, like we shared on Sunday, many people approach the Ten Commandments, the Word of God, and God as though he's a kidnapper. And don't realize that he's actually a lover. Praise the name of the Lord. So the question, as our opening question, the first is, what would you do if you were Philip? Guys only now. Guys only. What would you do if you were Philip? Do we have the mic? You know, guys, we can ask ourselves... Um, the question, guys don't like raising their hand. You have to call them, you know. Yeah. We are a little different from <laughs> a little different kind of species. <laughs> you know, just a few of us like raising our hands in class. So, um, who wants to go? What would you do if you were Philip? Felix, you're, you're standing beside the guy. Give him the mic. Let's hear what he has said. Did you hear the story, sir? Yeah, I, I, I do. You did? Okay, yes. fine. If I was Madame Philip, I would tell him more about this, what the scripture said. <laughs> that if, like you don't believe in, if you don't believe in God, you go to hell. So. Okay, That's, that would be your approach. Okay, who else? Thank you, sir, for, for that. If you were Philip, what would you... What would you do? Um, okay. While the guys are thinking, there's the lady in front <laughs> that, wants to, that wants to comment. But I really need a guy to, to thank you for that, feedback, for that contribution anyway. Yeah. What would you do? Um, if I were Philip, I would um, talk about my faith and generalize. Okay. I would not say, oh, Janet will go to hell. But right. my faith says, um, when you believe in God, you know, there is a heaven, there is hell. When you right. believe in God, you go to heaven. When you won't, you go to hell. However, I will, um, I'm not saying Janet will go to hell. Because right. really, he can't decide if Janet will go to heaven or hell. So he will remove himself from the equation, you know, and, and try and, and, and generalize. Um, okay, cool. You know, you know, I will probably punch the guy in the face. <laughs> if university... 
If I just give my life to Jesus University, I do that to me, I'm going to punch you in the face. In front of the whole class. That's just what I would have done. You know? Um, I will repent after. Because <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot grown now. What should, what would you do? Not what should you do. What would you do? That's what I would have done. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. Don't get me wrong. But that's what I would have done. What would you have done? Any other guy? What would you have done? Ibubi. What would you have done? Okay. I would have told the person, the guy that shouted the stuff at front of class, I would have told him, yes, I believe that if I believe in Jesus Christ, I'll go to heaven. And if anyone in this class does not believe in Jesus Christ, <laughs> he or she will not go to heaven. <laughs> okay. We not go to heaven, but you will say we go to hell. So that <laughs> it's like you are wiser than me when I was. <laughs> okay, fine. <clears throat> now, do you consider the what do you consider the most embarrassing moment you've experienced for your faith? What do you consider the most embarrassing moment you have experienced as regards your faith? Anybody? What would you consider the most embarrassing moment you, you've, you've experienced? As yes, ma. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What I consider the most um, embarrassing moment, uh, hmm. I was attending this church, End Time Miracle Ministry. Uh, <laughs> I all knew that my husband is not born again. <laughs> We are having crusade, you know, our estate, the church is not far from my flat. So we're just having the crusade in an open ground, very close to our flat. I never knew my husband was peeping by the window. As the pastor was preaching, you know, he called us out, he was praying, and I fell under the anointing. My husband just came from nowhere. (laughs) From nowhere. I woke you up from Ah, He embarrassed me. He embarrassed the pastor. Everybody that we are there. He was saying, This woman died. Pastors were in trouble. Ah. And the pastor was telling him, No, she just fell under the anointing. I did not want to hear anything. You know, that day was so embarrassing. And when I stood up, I was ashamed of myself. And again, you know, he quickly ran up, he locked the door, the gate, the door, he locked it, and I was knocking, knocking. After the crusade, I was knocking. He said, go back and meet your pastor. Ah, wow. Go back and meet your pastor, you, I will not allow you to enter this house. You know, it was so embarrassing, and my children were crying. Daddy, wow. please, open door for mommy, allow mommy to come. I was dead. By the wow. staircase still, after 12. 
before this man could open the gate for me to come in. It was so embarrassing. But I told God that day, I said, well, come what may, nothing, nothing will ever take Christ away from my hands. Thank you for sharing that story. But, you know, it, another side to look at it is that your husband loves you so much <laughs> that he thought you were dead. <laughs> and he came to warn the pastor, if you kill my wife, I'm going to finish. So, well, that's the good way to look at it. You know, thank you for sharing that. Um, let's dive straight into the study. Daniel chapter 6, from verse 1 to 28. Daniel 6, verse 1 to 28. It's going to come up on the screen. I'm going to read. Darius, Darius, the Mede, the Mede, decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. He appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect his interest, the king's interest. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, it was a great ability. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. He was faithful, always responsible, and what? Completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officials went to the king and said long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issued and signed this law so it cannot be changed. An official law of the merits and passions that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual. Everybody say as usual. He knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he had 
always done. Giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not, did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. He tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of Medes and Persians, no law that the king signed can be changed. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve, so faithfully rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seal of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, Rankadede, O king, my God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. Then the king said, maybe the lions cannot bite anymore and gave orders to arrest the men. Let us test if these lions are still real. Who had maliciously accused Daniel? He had them thrown into the lion's den 
along with their wives and their children. Along with their wives and their children. The lion leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then the king, Darius, sent this message to the people of every race and nation and tongue throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and he saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The Lord bless the reading and the understanding of his words in Jesus' name. You will prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, some people will just insist on disdaining you. They will just insist on disdaining you. Daniel was over 80 years old at this time. He had been a captive from, since he was about 17. But they still referred to him. He has helped sustain Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, his son. Now, Darius. But they still disdain him as that captive from Israel. You know, when people are jealous, they are jealous. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. I thought to myself, and I'm like, this guy has earned respect of kings. Kingdoms have come and gone. If there was anything like naturalization, you should have the, the passports by now. But he was still referred to as the captive, that captive from Judah. You see, what you should learn from this is focus on God and continue to be great. Praise the name of the Lord. Don't worry about the naysayers. You just be great. The naysayers will be the naysayers. Unfortunately, many times we, we preoccupy ourselves with trying to convince people that we'll never be convinced. Instead of becoming all that God has called us to become. That's the first thing that jumped out at, at us from this text. The second thing that jumped out at us 
from this text is that the father made a decision and they threw the wives and the children into the lion's den with him. What does that tell us? What does that tell us immediately? Yes. Can you give her the mic? Put her in your hand. Turn left now. Yes. No, you missed that. There was a lady behind, but tell us. Yeah. Okay. That tells us that our sin can actually affect our unborn children, our generations. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. What does that tell us? The same thing on my mind. Right. Yes. The decision we take right. can actually affect our generation. Right. A single decision. But the wife is not his child. Yes, but it's part of his destiny. Uh-huh. You see, if, if your husband is behaving like a vagabond, it is in your own interest to ensure that he doesn't follow them to go and report Daniel. You know, there are some people that are Daniel. That when your husband comes against them, they can throw you and him into the lion's den. So you will say, like Nabal, you will say like Abigail, that, Oga, don't let us do this thing, no. And if he says, go in his back and settle the matter. <laughs> go and meet the king and say, well, king, we are not there. Oh. Because I was not Abigail, uh, Abigail, that is one. Secondly, it shows the power of headship. You see, your husband is not, your husband is your head. It means that it is in your own interest that it is well with him. Because if it is well with him, it is well with you. If you think that you can, it will be well with you, if it is not well with him, you are deceiving yourself. The very sober thing. So when you want to marry a man, be careful. Because as his destiny goes, so goes yours. So what can I do? Go on your knees and pray. I mean, that's, that's, that's one main thing you can do if you are married already. If you are not married, you have you are better positioned. <laughs> you are better positioned if you are not married, shine your eyes. Shine your eyes. If you say that, oh, I love him, I love him. The love will... Psh. I mean, it's so sobering that the, 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 that the man made this, a, a, the decision and he threw the whole... And that is how it works. I mean, particularly in those times because, you know, he, because the king, even though that's the that's spiritual implication, but the king will protect his, himself. In other words, if he kills his father, the son can rise up tomorrow and take revenge. So they will rather wipe out the whole lineage. It's a very, very huge thing. I, I, I wish we can even talk about only this today. <laughs> because it's big. So that's why you have to pray for your husband. You have to pray for your husband. 
as in praying like mad, if I can use that word, that it will be well with him. You know, some, some foolish wives, they think that it is about, oh, you know, I told you not to put your hand in the fire. Now you have put your hand in the fire. Guess what? Fire is going to bomb both of you. So there's nothing like I told you not to put your hand in the fire. That's how it works. Everybody says, same team. You rise together, fall together. But you will keep rising <laughs> in the name of Jesus. It's, it's big, it's, it's, it's humbling, it's, it is, it is, it's, 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 you know, it makes my knees knock. If you, if you, if you are, both as a man, it's humbling as a man that, I mean, the steps you are taking is going to affect so many things, you know. It's humbling if, if, if you are married and you love your wife, it's humbling. It's humbling if you have a daughter. It's very humbling. Even if you have a son, it's very humbling. No rascal. <laughs> you know, it's huge. It's huge. Anyway, I need to move away from that because, I, like I said, I can spend the whole evening talking about the dynamics of that. Verse 26, you know, says something that's very interesting to us. He says, he says the, 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 when, when um, Nebuchadnezzar, no, sorry, when Darius... Darius was, was talking about God. He says, the God of Daniel. You know, everybody, the God of Daniel. And it is, it is what God wants for us to be our testimony that the people around us, around you, we say the God, the God of Nina. I was looking at another Nina, you know, but it's still Nina. <laughs> you know, and you say the God of, do you understand? When the living God manifests through you, people will call you by his name and it will give glory to him. I mean, personally, the first time I, I heard somebody say, the God of Femimunai, honestly, I cringed. I was like, no, no, I don't, no, 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 God. They should be saying that. That, is, that doesn't even sound right. You know, but you know what God said to me? What is wrong about it? He says, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. He says, I am the God that keeps covenant. Do you know what that means? Keep covenant means I stand by the people. In other words, I don't abandon. If, if I call you, I'm going to stand by you. In other words, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm like, okay. God of money. <laughs> that's fine. But God wants your name to be tied with him. And it only happens when you yield yourself to him and it displays his power through you, then people will say, the God of so and so. And I pray that will be your story. Daniel knelt down 
as usual. You know, I, another thing that jumped out at me is that, you know, as usual. He wasn't forming anything. He wasn't forcing anything. It was just his way of life. You know? Many times, it is when the trouble comes for many people, that is when they want to kneel down. It's not usual. It's not usual. For Daniel, as usual. So let's read verse 14. Verse 14 says, Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of the predicament. Now, contrast Darius's response to that of Nebuchadnezzar on hearing about the defiance. Remember last week, we, you saw how Nebuchadnezzar responded when he heard about the defiance of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, contrast that with um, Darius's response. What's different? Why do you think there's such a difference in their response? Anybody? Don't worry, it's not a trick question. <laughs> Why do you think there's such a difference? Yes. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, you from, can sit down, it's okay. Okay. From the difference I, I find out from this, uh, Nebuchadnezzar does not believe in the God of Meshach and Bednego, three of them. Mm -hmm. But in the case of Darius, he believed the God of Daniel. Right. Okay. That is absolutely correct. That's, that's very correct. Anybody else? Any other thing? Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Nebuchadnezzar did not see what God had done in the life of Daniel. Um, Darius had opportunity to see what God had done in the life of Daniel. And also, when Darius conquered Belshazzar, he asked for, um, he was surprised that um, the plan to overtake the kingdom, how, how, um, how it was unfolded, and it was revealed to him that Daniel had a dream and told it to um, Belshazzar. So he knew that there was something special in Daniel. And that's why he continued in his kingdom. Okay, awesome. That's the, the, those other additional um, things are also very valid. Um, uh, Darius obviously has experienced Daniel and, and had respect for Daniel. Um, Nebuchadnezzar um, obviously hadn't experienced on a personal level Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, also, in addition to what they've said, Nebuchadnezzar had an ulterior motive. It was his, 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 his decree was backed up out of um, his insecurity and you know, Darius just yielded to yes men, you know, and discovered this error, which we are going to um, talk about later. Thank you, um, both of you. It's like the men are, are catching on now. They're taking the challenge. <laughs> Favor and honor made Daniel a target. Question, how should we respond to favor? Should we avoid it? You know, I have people that avoid, they don't want favor, they don't want to be favored, they just want to coast through life and be a non-entity. They don't want to be favored, they don't want to be, you know, it's a true story. Okay, let me allow you to talk before I tell you all the stories. How should we respond to favor? Uh, 
God's favor will make you a target. What should you do? I, sh- I should respond to it. That God should not make it too plenty. Just chill, you know. Or what? What do I should respond? Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, I think that we should embrace it, but right. be humble. Right. Because it is when we start to get very proud about it, that's when it looks like it's going out of hand. But right. embrace it. We can't run away from it. Right. I'd always had the feeling before that, yes, let's avoid it. So <laughs> the, the attention is not on you. But you can't really avoid it, especially if God has favored you. Absolutely. So just be humble, even though you are favored. Absolutely. But being humble will not will still not take away the target. The, for you being the target, rather. Because Daniel was very humble and, I mean, he still became a target. But, of course, we have to be humble because Daniel was humble. It's an example for us. We are favored, you have to be humble. But embrace. Embrace it. I mean, don't apologize for it. Don't cut yourself down. Don't make yourself look small. You are not doing anybody a favor by doing that. We are not doing anybody a favor. I mean, the story is told, I mean, I've, I've shared the story before of how um, my parents-in-law, when they get a house help, they kind of train, they always train the house help. I mean, to university, and they go out to become whatever, and they get another one, they train the house help. To, at least I know one. I heard of another one, but I met one in the house, and she's, she's, I think she's graduated today. She's, she's married. She has her own children. I mean, she runs her own business right now. So they took in this boy and they were going to set him up on the same path, you know. Very intelligent guy. Very sharp. You know. Then send him to school. Of course, started blasting his papers. You know. Then the mother of the boy came and started crying. You know. I mean, I was like, why are you crying? And they're like, why are you crying? She's like, you want to kill this boy for me. You know. And you're like, why? She says that if the people in the village hears that he's making progress, they will kill him. So let him be house boy so that he ca- I can have my son in old age. And he tried to educate her. No, don't. you see, God will protect you. God will protect the boy. She has come into this house, all that one. She cried and cried and cried. When she saw that they were not cooperating. She left them. One day she just came and kidnapped the boy <laughs> to give back to the village. Till today. And some people like that. They feel they have to wear rags to prolong their life. They feel they need to go to certain sectors. I'm not saying be arrogant or anything. You, you understand the foundation. But if you become a target, God will protect you. How should we respond when another person gets favored? As we see in this story, those guys didn't respond well and they became breakfast for lions. In fact, it's a prayer point. Everybody that is not responding well, that will not respond well, I'll be jealous of my favor and your favor, will become breakfast for lions. In Jesus' name. Is that a good prayer? Okay. Yes, ma. <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We should rejoice with such people and don't be envious of them. 
Because you know, those people, they are jealous of Daniel. That is why they want something right. that will take the life of Daniel. Right. Thank God, God stood by him. Amen. So, Amen. We, should, we should rejoice with yes. them. And that's, that's just how it is. We have to rejoice with them. You have something to say. Quickly. Um, okay, there's this saying that says that if God is blessing your neighbor, just know that, just know that he's your neighbor. He's in your neighborhood. <laughs> I like that. If God is blessing your neighbor, just know that it's in your neighborhood. So you say, ah, God, I did hear. Oh, I thank you for the world way you do for this world. Oh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you uh, you that can give one man ten houses, me I did hear. Oh, I will be uh, I'm close by too. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, that's how to respond. If you were in Daniel's shoes, in which of the following ways would you respond? Check one. I will wait a few weeks before I pray. It's not just worth the risk. After all, I haven't denied God. I will just wait a few weeks. Maybe it's just four weeks. I will wait it out. Secondly, I will still pray, but I will do it privately. God sees my heart. He knows I am kneeling down inside. Even though I'm not kneeling down outside. There's no sense in inviting persecution. Option three. I will pray in public for all to see, like Daniel. Bring on the lions. Check one. Oh, yeah, 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 quickly. Everybody check one. Don't worry. It's your own. You are taking it to Nobody's. I'm not collecting it. You are not marking it. But I want you to be true to yourself. Everybody check one. You can cover it from your husband if you are not comfortable. You are not comfortable. <laughs> or from your wife. You are not comfortable. But be true to yourself. Check one. Now, I'm going to skip the next question. Because I want to leave that to you as an assignment. That you should list the qualities you observe in Daniel in this chapter. <clears throat> I'm going to leave that as an assignment for you. So I'm going to go on. Okay, before I go on. Has everybody checked one? Has everybody checked one? How many people checked the first one? Okay, one person. It's one. Is your hand up? Okay, it's not up. Okay, sorry. Nobody, nobody is publicly saying it. Okay, how many people check the third one? I will, I will go public. How many people? Okay, very few people. Ah, okay. Ah, God bless you. So, so the rest of you, <laughs> you are waiting. You wait it out. Second option, you will pray in your heart. Ah. Well, my advice to you is that you don't deny God. 
Why? Because he says, I will deny you if you deny me. We're talking about the, the matters of Sebaste last week. The matters of Sebaste. And the person, one of them, the 40 matters, one of them that walked away. The question is, today, is he still alive? Nobody even knows his name. He's gone. He's dead. Everybody will go. Okay. So, there are three C's that determine if you are going to last in any industry, in your business, in your careers. There are three C's that determine whether you are going to last. The first C is corruption. The second C is competence. And the third C is conviction. The first C is corruption. Is there corruption in you? If there is, it's just a function of time. It's just a function of time. It's a time bomb. The second C is competence. I wanted to put character in the first, but I changed it to corruption because corruption kind of, you know, we get it, particularly in this part of the world. The second C is competence. Daniel was so competent. You know, if, do you know that the, 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 the people that actually know the competent people, do you know that in most cases are not the bosses? It is the peers that know the people that are really competent. Do you know that? The bosses... <laughs> anyway, let me skip all that. So when your peers check you out and they say, no, this guy is competent. Do you know what that means? That means that you are super competent. You are above board. Above board. They couldn't get him in corruption. They couldn't get him in competence. But they got him in conviction. But did they really get him in conviction? They still couldn't get him in conviction because conviction will see you through. By the time you are done, all your enemies will, be ex will have expired and you will still be standing. They will all be gone and you will still be standing. So these three things are so key. Corruption, competence, conviction. Get rid of corruption. Be super competent. Be filled with conviction in your faith with Christ. Nothing, nothing can stop you. Nothing. You may go through the lion's den, quote and unquote, but you are going to come out with promotions and prosperity. Because that's what happened to Daniel. The dilemma that Darius got himself into is a huge leadership lesson. What can we learn from it? It's a huge leadership lesson. What can we learn from this dilemma that Darius' Dyrus, dilemma? You know Darius' dilemma? Okay, anybody, what can we learn? Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Um, I think, first of all, um, Darius should have been a little more hands-on. I don't know whether he forgot about Daniel somehow. He wouldn't have signed that um, decree, you know, if he actually had Daniel in mind. Maybe he was overwhelmed with them, you know, praising him. Psychophancy. And, you, know, you know, every leader must be able to see through things. If you can't see through things, your days are numbered. You must, be, you must be able to see through things. What people are saying, what they are not saying. There are some people that when they come before you, no matter what they say, never agree to what they say. There, never. Always say you come back to them. I have people that are put in such buckets. Never. I always go back and pray about it and think about it. Go on, go on, go on, sorry. So, I mean, he, he couldn't see through what the whole setup was about. Right. So, as a leader, you have to understand who you're surrounded with, those that are for you, those right. that are not for you, those that right. are about to set you up. Right. You know, those that want your, whatever you're doing to calm down. So you have to understand who you're surrounded with and keep the right people close. Amen. Absolutely. Praise the name of the Lord. And it's a big lesson, right? Because, because of the seduction of psychophancy, you know, because of the seduction of praise. Praise is very seductive, you know, particularly, I mean, every human being, not just men, every human being. Praise is so seductive that, you know, someone's, for both men and women, you know, someone says that, oh, that's why people say that women just want to hear lies. That's not true. It's just the seduction of praise, just making our head swell, you know, seduction of praise. Same thing. Men are egoistic, you know, naturally. So the seduction of praise is there. When people say, oh, there's no one like you, you are the best person that has ever happened to Jesus, you know. If not for you, the salvation of Jesus on the cross is nothing, you know. You are the one that makes meaning to salvation. Sometimes it's not that direct. Sometimes it's very subtle. But you see, as a leader, one of the gifts that you should always ask for, one of the gifts I'm, I'm totally grateful to God for is the gift of discernment. It is so important. You know, without discernment, I mean, I say to people, pastor, being a pastor is like suicide mission. You just say you want to be a pastor because everybody is a pastor. It's like going on a suicide mission. Because you need discernment. You need to hear what people have said, what they have not said. Sometimes, when they are finished talking, you need to follow them home to hear what they are saying at home. So many times I will sit down and I will follow people home. And I'll hear what they are saying at home in their bedroom. And I'll say, eh. <laughs> I, t- I was speaking to a couple. I said, but you did say this. You said this, you said this. The husband looked at the wife. You must have come to tell pastor. The wife said, it's you that went with the pastor. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. It's, it's the Holy Ghost, you know. President of the Lord. And why I'm sharing this is not because I'm not sharing it so that you say, oh, pastor is spiritual. No. I'm sharing this so that 
you, because you are all leaders, you all have, you're going to run businesses. You're going to be captains of industry. Say amen, 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 amen. You're going to be top of your professions. You will have people like this. In fact, sometimes it's not that they are after you. Because they were not after Darius. But they want to hold the organization captive. They have a controlling spirit. They want to hold the organization captive. They, don't, they are happy that Darius is there. They don't, they don't want have any issues with you as a pastor. But they want to hold. You have a mandate to break that hold as a leader. So it's, it's Darius' fault, actually, from a leadership perspective. Okay. Although God miraculously delivered Daniel from, the perse- from persecution, how, from this persecution, he chose not to do so for many other godly people of the Bible. Abel, righteous man, he chose not to deliver him. Cain killed him. John the Baptist, they cut off his head. Righteous man. Stephen, he was stoned to death. Jesus was even standing to receive him. Why didn't he come down and save him? You know? You know? So, why doesn't God always save his people from difficult circumstances? You know, when you read the story of Daniel, there's a, don't be deceived. God doesn't always save his people from difficult circumstances. That is the truth. So, do you know why? Why doesn't God always save his people from difficult circumstances? Anybody? Okay, maybe I'll just answer them quickly so that we can go on. Okay, yes, Pastor Lamide. Did you put up your hand? Okay, yes. Um, because um, God is all-knowing. And then sometimes um, when he does some things, we may not understand it. But if only we could just have a glimpse of the reason why he's done it, we give him all the glory. At the end of the day, what we think is not working out for our good, mm. at the end of the day, we turn out for our good because it says all things work together for good Amen. to them that love God. Amen. Absolutely spot on. Okay. Verses 19 to 20. It's going to come up on the screen now. It says, very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out of the lions. They hurried out to the lions then. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God. This is before he knew he was delivered. You know, he's big. You know, he, he attested that this guy is a servant of the living God. Even before he knew he, was, he has not been eaten by the lion. Was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, was he able to rescue you from the lions? Praise the name of the Lord. There's no gain saying it. God's deliverance and miracles are huge testimonies to the unbelieving world. I mean, there's no gain saying that. Truth be told, people may not read the stories of the Bible, but they will read the stories of our lives. Can you tell a time that God's dramatic deliverance made a huge statement to the world around you? In this case, Daniel, 
I mean, there are many examples. Even from last week, people shared different examples. But does anybody want to share any quickly? Or no, let us. I want to go quickly, so I'm trying to hold myself back. Anybody want to share the example of how God? Several examples in my life. Several examples. Several, 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 several. Plenty examples. God's deliverance is and always produces a huge testimony for the unbelieving world. We just need to throw that in. We can't take that away because that is the crux of this of this message. Now, what beliefs and convictions do you hold that will be that you will be willing to be ridiculed for? What beliefs and convictions do you hold that you'll be willing to be ridiculed for? Or if need be, to die for. You can check any of this. The God of the Bible exists. Do you believe that? Are you willing to be ridiculed for that? Die for that? Or pray in your heart? Inshallah. That Jesus is alive. Are you willing to be ridiculed for that? That Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, his death and resurrection is the only way to receive eternal life. Are you willing to be ridiculed for that? That God demands honesty and integrity in all my work. Are you willing to be ridiculed for that? When, you know, how you, how you train your children is also very, 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 very key. Very, very, very key. When, while growing up, my mom will always say to us that there is no one that is better than you. People may learn faster than you. People may be more gifted than you. But if you put your heart to work, you can achieve. It may take them two minutes. But if you must spend two hours to achieve it, you can still achieve it. Do you understand that? So she, she, she always told us, there is no point cheating. There is no need. It's, it's irrelevant. Just go, burn the candle, and get your A. So even while in university, I mean, I wasn't saved. You know my story. I got saved in my final year. But my year one to year four, I met my friends, I mean, a lot of my friends, you know, <laughs> a lot of my friends had extra year. A lot of my friends. And a lot of them, a lot of my former, they're still my friends, you know, they, don't be, they believe that you can need help in an example. You know what I mean by that? They just believe that you can need help. Now, in class, we sit together, mostly at the back, you know. But on exam day, I was clear to all of them, I'm not, you guys can do whatever that, I'm not going to cheat, I'm not going to join you guys. On all my exams, I always sit in front. Always. From year one to year four. Always. So just leave me. So we had 
an exam, a, a course, French. Nobody knows French. <laughs> As a computer science student, French is compulsory. I, still, I didn't know why. Well, maybe I kind of know why now. It was a compulsory course. Is that a French, German, or Latin? Which one will you choose? <laughs> so we all chose French. On the day of the exam of French, all of them said, Monet, we are going to see. You don't know French. We know you don't know French. <laughs> the reason you are saying you see the French is because you think you are sharp. You know all the other. This French, all of us don't know it. Better come and sit with us so that we can all benefit from the. And for the first time ever, I entered an exam hall, I was shaking. I don't think that's ever happened to me before or after that. I sat down. I'm like, I'm going to get an F. But I tried, I studied, but you know, French is just, <laughs> I don't know how they think those people. <laughs> I wrote the exam, but as God would have it, it was a miracle. I passed that exam. Now, what's my point? My point is simple. You will always have an opportunity. You will get to a place where you don't, you're even helpless. Like in that, in that French exam, I felt, I can see it when I went to the faculty of arts to do that exam. I can see where I sat. I sat in front, I can see the desk even right now. This is over 1996, how many years ago? 95 actually. 21 years ago. I can still see that desk. But I did not only pass. Some of them, not all of them, some of them passed well. But some of them with all the they still got F. So why not follow God? Praise the Lord. I think at then I, I just got saved. I was there about. So it even made matter say it was for me. <laughs> I couldn't do anything. A time will come when even the most powerful men cannot save you. If you read verse 16, I want us to read it. It says, then the king returned to the palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and he couldn't sleep at night. Verse 16, sorry. Not 18, 16. At such times, it is the faithfulness of God that will be the determinant. How do we demonstrate? That's a, that's a question. Now, 
why I want to, I want, why I want us to read it was because of what the king said. So, so at last the king gave orders to Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the lion's den. And the king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. What does that say? The king says, as powerful as I am, my hands are tied. You see, you can't, if Daniel was waiting, if you wait for the time when no man can help you, if you wait for that time to seek God, it may be too late. You need to know God even when you think other men can answer the prayers. You need to get the answer from God and be practicing that because a time will come when the strongest man on earth cannot help you. So at such times, it's the faithfulness of God that will be the determinant factor. So how do we demonstrate service to God and faithfulness today? How? How? How do I demonstrate service to God and faithfulness today? What advice can you give to someone that is currently not serving God? You say, but I'm not serving God, so nothing is into my account. Remember, the um, king says, the God you serve, the God you, you serve. It's simple. For instance, coming to service today, you are serving God. You have come to worship God. True or false? It's true. We talked about joining a live group. A lot of you went and you joined a live group last week. You are serving God. Some of you have tried to be live group leaders. You are serving God. Some of you have tried to be workers. You are serving God. And one thing you need to know about God is that God always, always take notes of service to God. God does not only require faithfulness from us. God himself is faithful. Do you understand? God is, is faithful by nature. He doesn't just require faithfulness from us. So, be encouraged to keep serving. Because he's going to speak for you one day. Praise the name of the Lord. So, in verse 18, shows us that the king himself had a vigil, quote unquote, for Daniel. Do you have people that will stand in the gap for you? That's the question. When you are in your lion's den, are there people that will not be able to sleep? I will toss and turn. And the easiest way we said is to join a live group. Join a live group. So finally, in our commitment section, it says that opportunities to stand for your belief will arise this week. And there are a couple of examples. You will have a non-Christian friend or acquaintance with whom you could share your faith. That's an opportunity to stand, to be a Daniel. You will be around people that gossip. That will be an opportunity to stand and tell them you are not interested in gossip. So commit to taking a stand and make your heavenly father happy. When we stand for what is true, God is happy. So we are going to read together Acts 20, 24. Acts 20, 24. Let's read together. 
One, two, go. But Amen. Let's read together. One, two, go. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. You see, and that is our story, everybody here. You may say, oh, but I'm not a pastor. Regardless of your vocation, there's a task that has been assigned to you by God. And the glory of your life and your destiny is to draw people that are far from God to God. And I pray that we'll be faithful in executing it in Jesus' name. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. Let's just talk to God quickly and say to the Lord, Father, I come before you, Lord. I renew my commitment to finishing the work that you have assigned to me. Help me, oh God. I don't know, you may be here, you, you need to give your life to Jesus. You're, you're like, Pastor, pray with me. I want, to, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. I used to be born again, I'm backstealing. Can you pray with me? Yes. Wherever you're seated, that is you. You could put up your hand. I'll pray for you where you're seated. Quickly. You don't need to come forward. Put up that hand and I'll pray for you where you are seated. Pray for me, Pastor. You are putting it up, putting it up, putting it up well over your head. And I'll pray with you wherever you are seated. Let's say to God, help me to be faithful. Help me not to be found wanting. Let your name be glorified. Father, we thank you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. Jesus' mighty name, we are afraid. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.